I usually put it away and don't even relook at it right away. And then I come back to it maybe a day or so later and read through it and make sure like that I lingered on, you know, cause and effect, you know, like what his touch, how it affected her so that you get both sides of it. So you're kind of more drawn into it because if you just say like, oh, his hand ran along her side, but how did it make her feel? Jenny Barra is on the steam seat this week and what an awesome conversation. In her day job as a family law paralegal, she sees a lot of unhappily ever afters, which made her want to tell stories with happily ever afters. She developed a love of reading from her grandparents and it was actually her grandma who introduced her to romance. And Jenny says she fell in love. We also get honest about being writers with day jobs and how that impacts our housekeeping. And after this episode, you will probably want to go buy a Roomba. Plus, I read a steamy excerpt from her book, More Than a Hero. While doing this podcast is a labor of love, I always appreciate it if you'll check out my affiliates to help cover some of the costs. I'm in the midst of editing my next book, so ProWriting Aid is an invaluable resource right now. While it doesn't take the place of my editorial team, it does help keep my writing in check so they have cleaner copies to work from, which cuts down on my editing costs. ProWriting Aid's AI is geared towards fiction writers, so the suggestions the software makes can be pretty spot on for editing creative works. To give ProWriting Aid a test drive, visit www.lgreco.rocks forward slash ProWritingAid. Now, on to the interview. Jenny Barra lives in New Jersey working as a paralegal in family law, writing real life unhappily ever afters every day. In turn, she spends her free time with anything that keeps her laughing, including her life with four kids, or five if you count her husband. She is just starting her career as a romance author, writing books with an outstanding balance of life, love, and laughter. Welcome, Jenny, to Steam Scenes. I am so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that you had me. I'm very excited. Well, I'm excited too. I Well, first of all, okay, we're going to save this for the end, but I loved your Steam Scenes. Oh, thank oh, you. It was so good. Um, but we'll get to that. It's like, I'm like, Cliffy, you have to listen to the whole episode before you get to the, the, the good bits. Everyone <laughs> on the edge of their seats. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question for you, because it really kind of struck me when in your bio, writing unhappily ever afters in family law. Are you working on, are you working with divorce lawyers? Yes. So we do a lot of divorce and we also do a lot of um, kids um, that are in bad situations um, okay. with Child Protective Services. So oh, wow. my job is very heavy. Um, so in that's why I say in turn, I like things that are light and laughy and fun. Obviously, I don't write dark. Um, <laughs> the mafia romance here. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> Um, but it's so it is nice to have a happy ending with a story and have it be light and a little bit of funny, like a very quippy, funny kind of story versus um, the sad that I deal with all day long. I actually have to say, like, I kind of feel like working in divorce law, you probably sort of see a lot of like, like you probably have an idea or a better idea of what makes a relationship what's important to a relationship because you see where that relationship has fallen apart. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. And you definitely see a lot of compatibility versus incompatibility issues. Um, so you can see like, oh, I definitely see why this didn't work out a hundred percent because, you know, they go back and forth and they're both like dug their heels in and you're like, well, I can see why you guys can't compromise. <laughs> But you know, I always wonder, did that does that come though because the relationship has fallen apart and it becomes almost like a pa- like like well, I guess if you're if there's a power play, there probably was some sort of power struggle going on yeah. in the relationship to begin with. Yeah, I think it's probably a combination of both. Um, but usually, I mean, obviously, we always say typically in the courtroom you see like people at their best in front of a judge. You know, right. 
divorce, you see people at their absolute worst. Like they can be two normal people. And yet because of the high intensity situation, they sound a bit crazy. So it, and they would never act like that in a normal situation. So, I mean, there's definitely an aspect of it's the situation, but you can also tell um, like why it never would have worked because of like the polar oppositeness of the two people and their inability to compromise. So it does. Wow. It does. You do get to see a lot of that. So, okay. and you can also see how small things make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I'm kind of curious too. Like, what does that do with like the opposite attract? opposites attract trope like does that just like throw that right in the like we're just gonna throw that right in the garbage (laughs) I think you have to have like they might seem opposite but there has to be a little common ground although I'm my new not my book that's coming out the end of the month but the next one that'll come out in May I'm doing enemies to lovers and I've I found that it's a little bit harder to uh write that um, it's not my my strongest suit. I've struggled oh, no. more with that than the others. <laughs> do you think that has to do do with your day job? I think so because I'm like, okay, how do I bring them back from like the I've never seen this go from enemies to lovers to have it work except for in books. So I think that's, that made it a little harder. But oh, uh, that's so interesting. Well, here's a question: Have you written a second chance romance yet? Um, I have written a second chance romance. It is not released yet though, but um, that's actually, that was actually where I started. That was my first book that I wrote. I just haven't done anything with it. It's sitting by itself. Oh, that's interesting that it was your first book. I don't know. Freud would have something to say about this, I feel. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So were you able to do, was that hard? Because I mean, like you said, you're sort of seeing, oh, I know why you'd split up. Right. And then, and now you have the the couple split up and now you got to put them back together. Yeah. So when I did it, it was more circumstances pulled them apart Uh versus like incompatibility. I don't think a good second chance, it needs to be something besides just they're completely incompatible because if they're incompatible, they're incompatible. You can't fix that, you know? Right. Right. So it needs to be either timing or, you know, like they're young and they go their separate ways or, you know, a job moves them or whatever might be the case, but But you have to have it be circumstantial versus. This is so fascinating. I have actually played with the idea of like being a paralegal and I know that there's school involved and I can't seem to quite, it's it's weird. Like paralegaling is like, I don't know. I feel like there's some sort of like secret society because I can't quite find all the information I need um, on the internet you know <laughs> but, but I'm like because I just feel like I would learn so much in terms of my writing definitely it's a very it's a very just in terms of everything in terms of writing you learn a lot because what we do a lot of the times is we are telling somebody's story to the judge on paper mm. so we need to hit those high points we need to get them to come across on the paper, which is exactly what you're doing as a writer. You're trying to get your character to come across on the paper. So um, that helps a lot. And then just the general skills of writing. I mean, obviously. Because you're you're writing all day for your job. Yes. Yeah. I mean, me too, but like, (laughs) it's a different, but it's a different sort of, uh, it's a different sort of thing. Um, But you're, like, I just, I just find that so fat because you also are meeting so many different people having all of these different experiences. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just fascinated by this. And it's like, oh, I wish I could do that. I want to do that for a little while. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely great for my writing and um, I, I enjoy it. And I'm very lucky. The lawyers I work for are both amazing guys that, um, have a great understanding of work-life balance because a lot of times in the legal field, yes, that doesn't work. But they are very family is important. Family first. You have to do what you need to do. And when you're here, we're glad you're here. But you know, if one of the kids are sick, they don't even like question. Like, stay home. You take care of them. That's what's important. So they both That's have amazing. kids too. So I'm I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky with where I work and the guys I work with. That is awesome. amazing. Now, do they know you write romance? They do. Um, 
<laughs> my one is my final proofreader. Um, the no one of the, yep, he, he does the final proof. He is like the most nitpicky person, like in terms of like, where's a comma, this word placement. Um, so he's done the final proofread on all my books for me to make sure that they are perfect because he always says, you don't want to publish something and then have a typo or a missed comma. You're right. I don't. A hundred percent. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, now is he is he like a closet romance reader? Like, or is he like? He is. He's a huge reader. Okay. Um, but he had never read a romance until he started reading mine. <laughs> oh, did his eyes pop out? <laughs> a little bit. He was like, "Wow, okay." Jenny and I said to him, "Sweet, Jenny doesn't look sweet." <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, you know, there's like a steam level in these. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Da, da, da. And so then, but then he was like, wow. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. That's kind of wild that your boss is your proofreader. Yeah. I mean, I pay a proofreader too. He's just my <laughs> final proofreader. <laughs> but it's funny because I use, and it's, it's funny because I use a pen name. Um, and yet everybody in my life, knows that I write and most of them have read my book my brothers my parents my grandmother read my first book my my kids friends parents are all like oh can you sign a copy of my book and I'm like, absolutely here you go so <laughs> people are like why do you use a pen name I'm like well it's just that little bit of separation you yeah. know like I have my life and then I have my work life and they don't have to be on top of each other so much um, and my name is much longer and this Jenny Barr is a little more catchy. So <laughs> <laughs> a little bit easier. Yeah, it's definitely easier. So, I mean, I just to sort of jump back a minute. When did you just like realize that you wanted to be a writer? I mean, did you sort of get into it slowly from the paralegal work or did you know from a young age? So I have always been a writer. Like I love to write a story. I love to tell a story. Um, I was always a big reader to my grandparents, um, my grandmother, when we were really little and we used to stay with her, she every night would have us help her tell a story. Like we would make it up together. And um, when we were little, they were kind of fairy tale-ish. And then like when we got to be like 10 and 12, they'd be like mysteries where we could figure out who did it, you know, through the story. And, um, and my grandfather encouraged us to read where we'd always have a book and he'd do like book club and share books. And um, this is, and he would read whatever they have like 18 grandkids and he would read all different books at all different ages with the kids so that he was always reading what his grandkids were reading so he could talk about it. Oh, that's um, awesome. So they were like hugely influential into my love of reading and writing. So I always kind of wrote. I never planned on publishing um, until my sister-in-law read. She's like, you you write, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. She's like, can I read one? And I said, sure. So I gave her like a very early copy of More Than the Game, which is the, my first book that came out in um, September. And she mm -hmm. loved And she's like, why do you not do anything with this? This is cute <laughs> and funny. And like, why are you just sitting on it? I'm like, that's like just for me. Like, I never planned on doing anything with it. And she's like, no, no, you need to do something with it. Um, so she and then she gave it to my other sister-in-laws and um they were all like yeah yeah why aren't you doing anything so i took some classes and learned how to do it better um and then i queried and had a couple agents that were interested uh but then i decided to go uh indie and publish myself just because i am a bit of a control freak i guess and i did not love the idea of like losing control completely of the story and my characters and stuff like that yeah the process is also honestly the process is like Jurassic it's so slow mm -hmm. the trad process and so it's hard like if you just want to you know when you write you want to get the work out and you're in this constant sort of query like the the the, the time from query to publish assuming you get accepted is painfully long. Yes, like it's like two years, <laughs> and that's that's like that's from when like <laughs> an agent talks to you until the book comes out. Not from when you send a query. I don't think like a lot of people just don't realize. And with the amount that 
through COVID the agents are getting now, it's longer than that. I mean, you don't might not hear back from for six or eight months, even just to be like, hey, can I get more pages? It's crazy now. Yeah, it really it, is. It really is. I'm kind of also fascinated, though, that you actually had like a body of work kind of ready to go. Like how many books, how many, because writing a novel is a big thing. You know, I mean, I think everybody, because, and I think everybody kind of gets that when, because what is it, what's that saying about like, oh, everybody says they want to write a, they, they, they want oh, to write yeah. a novel because, yeah. but it's one of those things that it, it is so daunting or it is so, it really is like a huge commitment. Um, I'm sort of fascinated that you had, how many novels did you have? I mean, in a very, in various stages of finished, right? Because they, if they were just for you, I'm sure they were just not. You know, they right. weren't, they weren't, you weren't ready to publish them right then. So I had six that Whoa. were done. Oh like God. as in the story was on the paper. Now, right. like I used done, they had not been beta read. They had not been edited. They had plot holes, you know, but like there was like 90,000 words written from start to finish on them. Yes. Oh. Unfortunately I did not. So my, my book is a, family series. So I marry off the siblings as we go along. I did not write them in the order that my head, the story was going to go. So <clears throat> I have some later ones done and then some earlier ones done. So like, like I said, right now I'm working on book four and that one, I only had 40,000 words written when I published the first one on the fourth one. Okay. Cause so. I, I did see like that, that there was like, there that you were releasing pretty rapidly and I was yes. like wow that's super impress impressive because like and I know I banked some books before I released my my LA Rockstar series so like I think I had like one book done one book just about done and then another book almost done so I was able I was trying to rapid release it but once I got through like I was so frazzled releasing so many books in such quick succession that I didn't get to the fourth book <laughs> in a timely manner so now like now I'm sort of backwards and everything's kind of really slowed down well it's it's hard too because I didn't realize how much marketing I guess how much time that was gonna suck out of my life to market the book once it was out like I just kind of figured okay then you're done you move on that's not how it works at all I spend so much time now you know researching and you know keywords and making graphics and posting on different social media and interacting with my readers and that I really had no idea that that was that was a something that I needed to plan into my timeline um mm. obviously now I do but I did not know that I was going to, I was a little overwhelmed by that um, amount of time that I spend on that stuff. Um, but lesson learned. Now I know it's not just publish a book and then move on. <laughs> no, I mean, it is, it's actually an inordinate, inordinate amount of time. I was actually talking to a friend of mine about that, this just yesterday. It's like, you know, and and you have a day job, I have a day job, you know, it's like, so it's like, oh my God, like, where do you, and I'm just like, my social media is falling off because I just don't have time to keep up. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot with, and I had, you know, you have kids and my husband and I have my house to take care of. It doesn't, you know, like, it's not magic. Laundry doesn't do itself. I yeah. wish it did, but. Yeah, I wish, but you know, like that kind of stuff, dinner, dishes, <laughs> don't come over my house right now. It is a friggin' disaster at the moment because I've just been yeah. working so much and I'm just like, well, cleaning's going to have to wait. <laughs> That's, I'm bad. I'm bad at laundry. I, I will admit, like I, I'm bad at especially folding the laundry. Like I'm like, okay, machine, put it in the washer. And then I'm like, oh my God, I have six bins of clothes to fold. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I fold six hours folding clothes. I fold really quickly because I don't want to iron. So yeah. if I like, if I just dump in it, like it gets all wrinkled and then I'm like, I'm not mm -hmm. ironing that shit. Are you kidding me? So I just actually like <laughs> fold really quickly. So I'm actually okay with, with the laundry. I'm pretty good with the laundry. It's all the other stuff. It's like cleaning the bathroom and scrubbing the shower and vacuuming. And I'm just like, oh yeah. my God, there's not enough time in the day. Yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> we have a, a Roomba that does oh. vacuuming for me. My husband thought he was cute and named it Lisa. And now my four-year-old thinks that Lisa is like a person and, hey, Lisa's moving. Lisa's going to get my toys. I need to put this away because Lisa's mean. <laughs> People yeah. ask me like, who's Lisa? And I'm like, oh, that's our vacuum cleaner. <laughs> who's Lisa and why is she so mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's the Roomba. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you like it? I had, we had like a really early version of it. It was like, you know, Roomba 1.5 or Roomba 1.5 or something like that. And it just wasn't what we wanted it to be. Now we also have pets. So I don't know if that was part of the problem too, or if it was just, it was just too early in the technology. Um, I, ours is newer. Uh, we just got it about six months ago. Okay. Um, it's, it's, we have all, my whole downstairs is the same level. Like it's not up and down steps. Um, and the floors are all hardwood. Uh, so for us, it works out perfect. We have the system where it comes through and it sweeps and then it mops. Um, oh. yeah. Ooh. So it, it does that whole, and it does go up onto the area carpets without a problem. Um, it goes under the kitchen table. It like, so the first week and a half we had it my husband just mapped the house constantly um so that it would learn to go under the train table and under the kitchen table and around the chairs and not just think that that wasn't an area to do like it learned where so he mapped it for like there's a setting i guess map house and he had it just map the house over and so it learned where everything was um so we really we we only have a cat um okay and she's short-haired so she's not a huge shedder um but we love it. I, I, I mean, especially with the cat and the four-year-old and the crumbs and then, you know, the teenagers who just come in with the, the mud and the dirt and leaves and you're just like, okay, go. And I love that on the app too, I can just send it to like, oh, go by the kitchen table and it sweeps the kitchen table and then it'll mop right there because Andy spilled something, you know? Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not cheap. No, it's but, not cheap. It's, so it was, it was worth the price. It definitely was because that saves me a lot of time. Um, and we even send it once a week upstairs, and it runs through the ups. You have to carry it obviously upstairs, right, right, but you put right. it down, and then it does the upstairs once a week. I mean, we don't have nearly the mess up there because we just don't eat and spill, and yeah, usually the shoes are off by the time yeah. you get, or at least the the dirt is off the shoes. Right. So you thought you were going to be listening to steamy scenes, but we're actually <laughs> talking about vacuuming. So- <laughs> Sorry, I get off tangent. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I mean, I sent us there. I totally sent us there. <laughs> so, so I, so, but, but to move back, <laughs> What did you always? You were a big reader, obviously reading with your grandparents. I don't know that they were reading romance books to you, but maybe they were. Um, when did you? Were you always a romance reader? Um, so I started my first romance that you would say like is like traditional romance when I was in high school. Susan Elizabeth Phillips. I don't know if you've ever. I do not know her. Read her. Um, yeah. She's been, she's been around forever. Um, my grandmother actually was the one that gave it to me. She was like, oh, this one's a great book. You'll love it. It's funny. It's definitely, um, she has that rom-com-y feel okay. um, uh, to her. So, uh, and it's probably not quite as steamy as nowadays some of the steam level is, because this is going back a while. Um, and she's traditionally published, so obviously that's a little bit, a lot of times lower steam level too but um yeah that was my first one it had to be you it was a sports romance oh okay. and um yeah I definitely as soon as I read it I fell in love with the genre and just like chewed through those rom com fun reads and then as I got older you know I read more different steam levels different types of romances and stuff like that um but I definitely gravitate that way because my job is so unhappily ever after that that's why I started writing that way right I was gonna Um, I was gonna ask you like do you when you read do you do you go dark or are you kind of like you're kind of strict or do you you stick to the rom-coms 
Um, I will read dark, especially um, like beta reading and arc reading for friends stuff, um, author friends stuff. But if I'm strictly choosing, I either do suspense um, oh. romance or because um, I love I love a suspense and trying to figure it out. Okay. Um, or I will do a rom com Like, that's where I prefer. I also do love a sports romance. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, okay, because, so more than a hero mm-hmm. is, is definitely suspense. has, yes, yeah. it, is, it is suspense. Okay, so, it it, is suspense. but it's not like a rom-com, right? It's more, it, or is it it's, rom-com suspense, which I don't know that I've read that. <laughs> it's not rom-com traditionally but it definitely has parts that will make you laugh because the Evans family just their interactions have people laughing so you will definitely and Nick the main character definitely has that um like joking teasing side to him so um you definitely can have like some chuckles in there but it's it's definitely meant to be suspense um romance Okay. All right. Cool. And I, okay. And is, is that more than a game too? Cause that seems less suspenseful. No, it was, it was not, um, suspenseful. It was okay. not, um, more than fine is where, um, it, I started putting suspense in and, um, I realized I very much enjoyed writing that way. Um, so that's how that went. Um, and then more than a hero, there was no way with the Navy SEAL that I could just do like, Straight rom com yeah, no, and have can't. it not be like <laughs> there has to be some. <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of hard to do. Yeah, I love. So. I, I'm sort of fascinated by people who write romantic suspense because I can't do it. So, like, I feel like you know, you know, like that injecting that mystery, having that sort of I don't know if it's like a crime to solve or something like that, you know, or or thriller, you know, thr- yeah. thriller, blah blah blah, thriller. I I can't like I like I can't seem to quite get that part of it and I love reading it and I'm like oh I wish I could write that. It's very tricky because you kind of have to arc the romantic plot and the suspense plot and pinch them almost simultaneously but yet you know not because you can't have it be like a wave of up and down up and down up and down up and down so they have to kind of go together um and fine tuning that is definitely it's definitely an tricky thing but I enjoy that type of a thing but you do need to I rely a lot on my um like alpha readers to help me with that to make sure that I'm hitting those points right where they'll be like maybe this is coming a little too early slow this down so that you have that nice arc in the suspense romance plot simultaneously which is what makes it a good read Okay. All right. That's really actually great information to, to know um, because I was sort of wondering how you, like how, how you put it together and sort of threads. So you have like this, you have a whole team of readers that are sort of like lined up doing your sort of first reads and then going all straight through like beta reads and arc reads and stuff like that. That's really extraordinary that you've managed to have, have a team like that, especially yeah, in three I books. I, I, I am very, I am very lucky that I've, I've, I have a great circle of support in terms of like writing life where I have all different. I mean, I even have people too, who aren't, um, they're just like, they've read my stuff, but they're fellow authors too, that we, we do like marketing stuff for each other too, where we help each other with like graphics and release day and post for each other and that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm super lucky. I do have, I have a great team of alpha readers, beta readers, arc readers I, I couldn't I mean like I'm very I'm very lucky with that and that's really they are cool all wonderful how'd you find them um so I run a Facebook group with one of them um her name's Amy it's called women who write romance oh, okay. um and most of them we have like 500 members now um it started off smaller um most of them I found through that um I also did a couple classes in New York where um I met a couple women in that too okay. like when we went in for the classes um and I just kind of connected with them cool. and our 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 voices work well together in terms of reading for each other which has been 
very nice. That's really great that you can sort of find that because that's also important. You know, like you don't want to give a rom-com if there's somebody who strictly writes dark romance and that's where they're interested, you know, and now you're giving them a rom-com, maybe that's not quite their thing. You know, that's not their jam. Yeah. And it is, it's different. Like when you're reading for somebody, you have to know the genre if you're going to be able to critique effectively for them. Because if you don't know what you're talking about, then like you're just not really being helpful, even if you're trying to be helpful. So Yeah. And this is where I actually fall down. I can't seem to I I just can't I can't seem to sort of like I don't know. I feel like I don't necessarily hit the genre points exactly as I should, right? Like (laughs) or the trope points, you know? There's always something there. It's not quite it's like I'm always like, oh, I'm going to be a little different. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that holds me back, you know, because like, I know that yeah. readers have these expectations and this is what they want. And I'm always like, yeah, 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 I know what you want, but this is what I want to do. <laughs> well, I think that's, I think that's very hard in indie in general, because there's nobody over your head being like, I, that might be what you want to do, but that's not what you're going to do because that's not the the trope that's not the market that's not that you know what I mean so right. like you have to be you have to be like very aware um of what's going on within your genre I think which is why having critique partners that write the same stuff helps a lot right because you, you definitely feel it more but right. it can be hard to find because you know you don't click with everyone and it's kind of scary too like sending yeah. your stuff off to people you don't know and like are they going to copy it? Are they, you know, like, are, are, are they just going to like hate on it? It's, it's not yeah. the easiest thing being a writer. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of uh, terrifying actually. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I know when, when I have to send, you know, when I'm sending a book to like a writer friend, one of my books and, you know, particularly because, you know, I like the, the writer friends that I have, the author friends that I have that I've struck up relationships with, like, I really love their writing. So I'm almost a fan. And so to send my stuff over to them is a little like, oh, they're going to hate it. And then like, if you don't hear back from them in like a week, you're like, oh God, they hated it. Oh my God. They're not going to want to be my friend anymore. They hate, they hated it. I (laughs) suck. You know, you start telling yourself all these stupid stories. Uh, Oh, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. I was, I was just saying this to one of my other author friends, um, his book, um, he writes male, male romance and his book came out in January and I hadn't read it yet. And I was like dying for it to come out because I wanted to read it. And I was in the middle of doing edits. So I hadn't read it yet. And it was like a week and a half later. And I sent him a message and I'm like, Oh my God, I just finished it. I read it in a day. I loved it. And he's like, my first thought was you hated it. Cause you didn't say anything for like a week and a half. I was like, I'm so sorry. Oh my God. I was just so busy. I did not oh hate it at all. Oh my God. Well, first of all, send him my way, please. Cause I have not had enough, uh, ma- male authors on and, um, and I want more that are writing in that male, male genre. So definitely. please like pass along my info to him. Cause I would love to have I, him on the podcast. I, I definitely will. I will mention to him. His, his name is Gary Michael. Oh, so. very cool. Yeah. I would love to talk to, I would love to talk to more men, please. More yeah. men on the podcast. And, and he does, his steamy scenes are awesome. So. And you know, and, and male, male romance is a huge genre. It Absolutely is. enormous. It is. Um, which I think is really, uh, really interesting. And so I would love to just, you know, talk to more authors that are writing in it. And oddly, I I have not had the, the only people that are right. Well, I've had non-binary authors, but I have not had a male author writing male male on. And so he would be like, he'd be popping my cherry. So I would love to have him. <laughs> I will let him know. I'm sure he would love to do it. So Excellent. I will I will pass him your way. Excellent. Cool. Okay. So I also wanted to sort of throw out there because more than fine, which was, that's the, wait now, which second one, second one. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Second one. You have two single parents. Yes. And I, I was surprised. I have two in my series where one, it's not both single parents. There is one single parent. And I never thought I would say this. I love the dynamic that kids the the dynamic of children injecting children in the relationship I think it's awesome I love doing it it's it's fun and you know a lot of times it gives you the ability to have a little more straightforward conversation sometimes because Mm -hmm. kids will say stuff that 
adults might, you know, hold back a little bit on. So that was, I, I love having kids in the story and I love, I love the fun that they can add to, um, and the way, so in more than fine, Grant's a little bit of a grump and kind of gruff. Um, but with kids, he has a softer side that you get to see. Um, so that's super fun in terms of that, because a lot of times your grumpy people do have a softer side and kids tend to bring that out because they're just sweet and innocent and you can't be mean to the kids you know so. right right right, right. <laughs> yeah I was gonna say like I find that it actually it, it there's a there's a dynamic in the relationship that I think gets deeper when you are writing kids and I think that it's because the stakes are much higher I think for a parent for somebody that's a parent um, in, in relationships, in romantic relationships, because you're walking into a relationship, not just one person. Now there's somebody else. And, and so that person's stakes are higher and, and both people, you know, even if it's like one person that has the kid, like both know it, both, both, both understand that this sort of ups the, ups the game a bit, you know, and change and really does change the dynamic. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love, because I just feel like the, the stories where I've written the kids have actually been really emotionally deeper, which I don't know if yes. that was a coincidence or if it was injecting the kids into it, but it was really kind of amazing. It does. I definitely think that that is, that is a hundred percent true. I mean, I was a single parent before, you know, my, my current husband and I got together. Um, and I, like I said, I had one, I, my oldest son is much older and, um, he was, so I have that um, experience being right. a single parent and doing the whole new relationship. And it's hard for the other person too, yeah. because they're realizing like, I'm kind of stepping into a role as a parent and I kind of have to make a decision quick if I'm going to be that or not, because I can't, you know, string this kid along even, you know, so it, it kind of makes the other person have to think and evaluate faster too so yeah it it's really very interesting and it was something that I was always like oh I don't want kid. and then all of a sudden I'm like oh my god I love putting the kids in the story they're great <laughs> and they are fun and they you know and they do sort of like you know stir things up a little bit plot wise sometimes and mm-hmm. you know it's just there's just so much there's there just adds such a great layer to it that I'm just like this is pretty awesome having these yeah. kids here you know <laughs> I, I agree I, I do love a I love a story with kids and I love a single parent either single dad single mom I I, those those are usually my favorite kind to read so what steam level do you like reading um I I I prefer it to be more middle not clean not super super steamy um I'm not I don't read a lot of um like BDSM type of level um but I'm not opposed to it either so but I usually fall into like the middle I don't like it to be closed door but I don't need tons of I want I don't like it to be erotica I need there to be a story I'm okay with any steam level as long as there's a story that goes along with it I guess that's what I should say okay fair fair point fair point um because I'm just kind of curious you know it okay so go back Go go in the way back machine and think about the very very first romance you wrote. You wrote. Did you write a steamy scene? Yes. How did you feel when you wrote it? Was it weird? Um, I mean, it's a little weird in some ways. Okay. Um, but by that point, I had read multiple of them, so I wasn't like, oh, totally weirded out by it either. But I have noticed. Um, steamy scenes, I need to be in the mood to write one. I can't just sit down. Like if I'm, if I'm writing because I need words done, um, that particular day, I will force myself to sit down and write, uh, so I can get up, I I can get working, but I can't do that with a steamy scene. Like I can't force myself because then they don't sound good. They don't read well. Yeah. I have to be in the mood to write one for it to work effectively. So um, what what do you do when you come to that point and you're just like, no, not today? Do you just kind of I like insert, so you just skip it and go back to it mm-hmm. later? Yes. Okay. But cool. I'm not a writer in order. So. Oh, okay. How do you <laughs> do can... that? With suspense. Well, Wait. Uh... 
I can um, I can write a scene and I will have to go back and put details in. Okay. Yep. Um, but I might know a conversation that I want them to have eventually. So I will write that out and then insert it in the right spot when I get there with the details that I need to go about it. So like, okay. for example, in More Than a Hero, I knew at some point Nick and Morgan's father had to have a conversation. Um, and I wrote that very early on um, in the book and kind of like worked my way to that um, in terms of everything that went on in the book. And I knew that conversation was taking place um, because Morgan is Nick's best friend's little sister. So he knew the family um, prior to them ending up together. Okay. So like that was going to be a conversation they were going to have. So I knew that going into it. Um, so that was very easy to write. Um, and then I just could work to that point of that's where the story is getting. And then the suspense details can be added back in um, when you know that plot. Gotcha. Which doesn't work for everybody. It's, it definitely doesn't. So are but. you a plotter, pantser, a little bit of both? I mean, I imagine with suspense, you have to plot. Yes, I okay. plot. But I don't plot on paper with notes or in an outline form. Oh, tell I me what you do. I story through my head. Okay. <laughs> like, I, 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 I like live with the characters for a long time, thinking about them, thinking about how the story would go, thinking about how I want the suspense to go, thinking about... The um, so in Morgan's story, it's a stalker. So like I like hang out with the stalker for a while and think about what he would do and how that would go and how how I would get him where I need the story to be, even though I'm never in his point of view. Right. So that's kind of how I plot, which is different than other people. But I also like can hang on to details in my head forever. Okay. Well, it's that it actually seems kind of similar to the way I work to a degree, which is like I do a lot of like. I've evolved to doing more deep character work as opposed to doing like a firm plot outline. So, you know, so like the main characters will always get some sort of like really like in depth word to the point where I'm like writing their origin scenes, you know, (laughs) (laughs) which is great, but you know, it does take time, but I do write it out. Like I don't, cause I would forget, I would just forget everything. I write out when I'm actually like writing and finishing it. I'll write out important details like when their birthday is because in writing like a family series, some things have to hold true. So like I need to remember book one's character details. Hmm. So I do go back and like put that down. So two years from now when I'm writing like the last brother, I remember the first book's details so I don't mess them up because right. it's amazing. Readers will catch that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So... I do write that stuff down, but I don't do pre-writing plot work. Okay. All right, cool. I need to do a better job of like marking down these, because I never do, like I need to have a series Bible and I don't have it, you know, because all of a sudden, like I'll have, you know, eye colors change. I mean, luckily I have got, my editors are great at catching my goofs, but I really should make my shit goof free by having some sort of series Bible. Well, it's a lot to hang out. Like the it first, is. when you're writing your first couple, you don't really think it's going to be, oh, of course I'll remember this. I created this person. Yeah. No, but when you've created 14 more, I don't remember the first one as well as I should. You yeah. Know, <laughs> All of a sudden somebody's name changes or yeah. you're just like, wait, I thought you're the like, name wait, was. They totally had a birthday around Christmas and now you're saying you're going to a birthday party in the summer for this person? That doesn't work. <laughs> right, it doesn't. Not that. Sorry, screwed that <laughs> up. So. Yeah. So how do you, so how, since it, since you do need to be in the mood to write the steamy scenes, how do you approach it? Um, I, I don't, I don't really have a system. So that's, I'm, I'm like a very chaotic person in general. Okay. So I don't have a lot of systems. Um, but mostly when I, 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 like I said, when I live with the characters, you know, 
I just start to like realize, okay, this is how they're going to connect. And that's another thing I might write out of order. If I, if I'm like, Oh, okay, this would really work. I can see this is how his personality is. This is how hers is going to be. And then it, it kind of just starts to like play through my, my head. Like I'm literally like watching the movie of it happening. And I'm like, okay, I got to write this down before I forget how I want this to go. And then I do, I also do do a lot of music. Like I, I listen because there's a lot of people in my house, so it can be hard to concentrate sometimes. So I will just put my earbuds in and um, listen to music to help get me in the right headset to do that kind of a steamy scene. Um, and it, it's not always the same. It's like whatever, <laughs> whatever music I happen to be feeling for them um, okay. for each particular couple, because it does, you know, it's different for each couple, I think. So is that music with lyrics or is it music? Because I, I can't listen to lyrics while I'm writing. Um, I usually do a lot of classical because yeah. I do prefer it to just be sound. Um, and sometimes it's like sweeter and sometimes it's um, hard, like harder hitting uh, right. classical. But um, I play the piano. My oh. kids play the piano. Um, so we do have a lot of, you know, like classical music floating around the house too. Oh, cool. Okay. So we should probably get to your steamy scene. Um, so this is from More Than a Hero at February 28th. Um, it will be up by the time this goes. Um, and so this, I'm curious, like, okay, why did you pick this scene? Um, to send to you? Yes. Or why did I? Um, I picked this scene to send to you because, for a couple of reasons. A, um, I did not do one of the earlier books when I sent this scene because sometimes you get a little too much of the story from the scene. Um, and this one I felt like I could send without ruining any of the story. Um, and it had a fun dynamic of the fact that I put these people in a, um, like a, a romance couple's retreat type of a place. Um, and the whole, I don't know if you've ever been to any of them where it's like, there's a pool in your room and the mirrors are everywhere. Oh, like the Poconos. Yes. Yeah. Exactly that's like that's that. where I honeymooned. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like I, I picked, so I, I picked that particular spot where I stuck them. Um, my husband and I went oh, a couple years ago. That so, explains the heart shaped cheese. I kept going, yes. that's so weird, but okay. And now, now, now it all makes sense. Right. So I stuck them there because he's, he's doing, um, he, Nick owns a, um, security business. So okay. he does investigation and um, surveillance and that kind of stuff. So he is in the middle of doing a job when his best friend's father, his, Louis is his best friend who um, died in, um, they were on the SEAL teams together. and He died uh, a few years earlier. And his father calls and says, Morgan's in trouble. Do you think you could help us? And he's doing this other job. So she has to go with him. Um, so he could watch her and play bodyguard. Uh, oh, what a well, that's how they end fun up. Fun idea. Yeah. What an absolutely was. fun idea to put them in like, you know, one of those <laughs> couples like, like the Poconos, which oh my god, if you I mean, there it, it is so kitschy and ridiculous and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it was. It, it was love so it. I mean that's a little bit of the humor that I said falls into it too, because like they're obviously in this place where it's like She's like, oh, this is such a cute romance retreat. And he's like, this is like a sex retreat. What are you talking about? And just the like. <laughs> oh, my God. The two story, the, 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 the two story champagne glass tub. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love yeah, it. Exactly. Exactly. So um, so that made that made the, the, the scene fun okay so setting up the scene they've it seems like before this there was some attraction there that they actually acted on but then probably pulled back from yes okay yes he's constantly like pulling back a little bit um being like i'm supposed to be this is a job i'm supposed to be watching her this is not i'm not doing what am i doing um and so she's getting the hot and cold like Right. He's, and she's like, I can't 
I, I can't keep up. <laughs> one, one minute you're hot, the next minute, literally, you're like a, a different person. How are you? Um, and he continues to, to string her along that way for a little bit. Um, okay. All right. Well, let me get, let me just dive right into it. So I just like from the jump, I was like, oh my God, I love this first, this first opening. So I'm just going to start there. Start at the beginning. He turned and his eyes ran up her body over her legs, past her hips and waist. His breath sped up as his gaze raked over her breast. It felt like an actual caress. He paused at her lips before meeting her eyes. I love this. I thought it was so simple and straightforward and it took me, but it took me straight in right away. Like I could see every single step of it. Like I could see the, I could see the scan, you know, and like sort of like doing that scan and how that would have felt and feeling like a caress, like the eyes caressing the body. I was like, okay, this is amazing. And it just put me right there, like exactly where I needed to be. Good. Um, I'm glad. So very. It's always cool. nice when it works. You know? Yes. Because <laughs> it doesn't always. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. All right. So that's. I just wanted to say that about the opening. Okay. His arms tightened around her as he shook his head before he said, "It's a bad idea." The rejection stung hard. She shut her eyes, taking a breath, unwilling to cry, and he pulled back, forcing her head off his shoulder so he could see her. His eyes were too intense. Desire and heat hit her hard. I'm not saying I don't want you. Don't think that, he said. I never know what you mean, Nick. You do hot and cold better than anyone I've ever met. Pain flashed in his eyes at her words, but she continued. I feel like there's something going on here, but one minute your eyes like light up like a fire and the next they shut down completely. What do you want? He ga- his gaze tracked down to her lips and then further before lifting again. Come on, Nick, stop fighting this. You won't hurt me. I know this isn't forever, but it can be one hell of a for now. His hands came out, cradling her face and pulling her to him. His lips slammed down, hot and demanding. Fingers tipped her chin up, deepening the kiss. She opened, willingly begging him for more. But he pulled back, resting his forehead against her. His hot breath danced around her face. I want to be very clear. I want to turn you around, press against you, move inside you, pull your hair until you feel so good you can't think of anything besides my dick making you scream. Okay, so bad ideas are often great ideas. And I love writing the moments (laughs) where they stop because they're so like, what are we getting into here? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, those are pretty much my favorite to read, too. Like, I love it when people are like, no, this is a bad idea, but okay. Um, But I wanted to pause at this moment because this this is telling me like so much about each of the characters, um, which is kind of incredible considering I have not read this book. So so I just love and and I think that this is a really great example of how the the steamy scenes really do reveal a lot about the characters that you're writing about um and it, it, in a lot of different ways like those sort of intimate moments can be so revealing of character um and like this is sort of like I, you know some people are like well uh, we just you just write it for the dirty parts and it's like no actually <laughs> the, yeah. you know you can the dirty parts are nice but you can actually get somewhere with the characters when you're writing this stuff Right. And they're a little vulnerable in those moments, especially when you have tough guys, you know, you give them a, a chance to be a little different. I, yeah. I love, I, I, I like scenes to have a point always. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to read down a little bit further. She wet her lips. I want that. With a groan, he backed her up until her calves hit the heart shaped chase. In a blink, she was flat on her back and he was above her. One-time deal, get it out of our system, right? He said. See, okay, see, I love this again. Like back to the, oh my God, this is a bad idea, right? Like I, you know, and it's really funny because I actually had in one of, I think it was book four, my female main character basically like said a version of this after they had sex, right? It was like, okay, well that's over now. And so, you know, we're just going to walk away. And it was like, and and I got so much trouble for that. Some of the readers were like, oh, no, like they were like, pissed. <laughs> like she's awful. And I'm like, oh, she's honest. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's like, actually, that's where I think like where I say, yeah, like I don't exactly write to market um, because I was like, but that's how she would feel like, she's, right. you know, and again, it's that moment of like, we're like, we're just doing this because like we're horny. And it's like, actually, no, that's not really why you're doing that. You know that, and I know that, but okay, you can believe it for a while. Right. You know, it's like, I absolutely love it when the characters do that. Yep, me too. My favorite thing. All right, so now they're getting into it. They're getting into it. So we've got some action going on. Their mouths crashed together, releasing all the pent-up lust that both had been running from. It was the hottest kiss of her life. Lips, teeth, tongues clashed. His hand roamed along her side to her thigh, squeezing hard before lifting her dress to her waist. This needs to go. I need to see you, Morgan. His hot breath flooded her face as he hissed out the words. Zippers on the side, she said, lifting her arms over her head to make access easier. Nick paused, staring down at her before running his hands from her wrists down to her arms, teasing the sides of her breasts and stopping when he reached the zipper. His fingers moved torturously, slowly lowering the zipper, letting his rough pinky brush lightly against the exposed skin. (sighs) So the way that you linger on his touch, and that's sort of like what you did at the very beginning, but only it was was with his eyes, not with his actual fingers. I like there was such a, it's, I I always need to remind myself when I go through these, these scenes, like slow it down, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And this is sort of a great way to slow it down. And I love that you're taking the time here. And, and again, like as the reader, I can see all of this happening. And I'm guessing you're writing sort of like this is cinematically happening for you if you, because you are writing so specifically. Yeah. Like like you're actually like, here it is. It's playing out in your head and you're writing it down. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why I, I need to be able to play it out in my head as I write it down. Otherwise, like I said, I feel like the scene falls flat if I don't do that. Right. Right. And what was also worked really well. And I I have to say, I've been seeing a a lot more of this in some of the books that I've been reading Um, a lot. I've been seeing a lot more head hopping. Um, And I don't know if it's because, you know, third person point of view is fucking hard and hats off to people who do it. I love first person. I love reading first person. I prefer writing first person. And I think it's very easy to head hop when you're in that sort of third person, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because it can be hard to stick to the point of view because you can kind of go off. And and I just actually love that, you know, she knows what his movements are because she's there he's touching her you know she sees this happening and I thought this was a really great way to kind of give us give us glimpses into him how he's touching her tells us a lot about him without changing that point of view or or head hopping you know accidentally head hopping so I was like oh this is really great thank you yeah okay gonna keep going Getting impatient again, his eyes met hers as his thumb brushed lightly just below her breast. He flipped his hand over so the back danced across her, across her stomach, making slow waves down her body. Each line the slowest torture she'd ever felt, teasing that he might touch her where she needed him most, but never reaching between her legs. Her heart pounded in her ears as need flooded her core. Finally, he rubbed the line of purple lace resting along her hips. You look good in purple, Moe, Nick groaned. So fucking good. When his hand made no move to slip inside, her stomach tightened and her hips thrust up. Please, Nick, she begged. Her breath caught as his finger dragged slowly along her lace panties, not pressing nearly enough. Please, what, he asked, but but dropped his mouth again. His tongue circled her nipple slowly, causing a whimper to leave her throat. Please worship your body, because trust me, I am. Please make me come, she begged. He chuckled, but kissed his way along her ribs to her hips, removing her panties and settling himself between her legs. His nose brushed along her leg and his hot breath danced against her. Her core clenched in anticipation. Her stomach jumped when he switched, his lips gently skating along her other leg, placing wet kisses on her skin. Her legs quivered. When she couldn't take it anymore, he finally let his mouth softly run along her slit, but it wasn't enough. Just as perfect as everything else about you, Nick said, and each word caused a throb at her center. She was close, and the man had hardly touched her. Wow. Just wow. Like, wow. Back at that touch part, like, I was like, you really zeroed in on every moment 
of his hands or his mouth or whatever moving along her body and and took your time with it and sometimes when I'm writing I'm like oh my god the readers are gonna get so bored hurry up you know <laughs> so, like I, I think that really takes a lot of like control and also confidence I think it, you know to allow yourself to linger in this moment yeah I I mean I, I think it's it can be hard trying to slow it down because you you're like okay we're getting to the finish line too but if you slow it down it kind of adds that tension that I think Mm. needs to be in the scene a little bit right Um, like on average how long does it take you to write the steamy scenes because I do know you say you have to be in the mood to do it um once I sit down to do it I write pretty fast um so I could I could bang out a scene in like a half hour and then I have to go back so then I usually put it away and don't even relook at it right away and then I come back to it maybe a day or so later and read through it and make sure like that I lingered on you know cause and effect you know like what his touch how it affected her so that you get both sides of it so you're kind of more drawn into it because if you just say like oh his hand ran along her side but how did it make her feel you know so that you get both of those balance and sometimes you have to go back through to make sure you're hitting on both of those things right right um so like the editing of it's a little more clinical at when i'm going through it like okay am i Cause effect, cause effect, cause effect. Right. <laughs> it's not nearly as fun. <laughs> but that's actually a really great way to think because I think in a way, like we do need to be methodical at certain points, right? Yeah. And and I think that's a really great point is to use the sort of cause effect trick to go mm-hmm. back when you're going back through. Because I know I'm don't I'm not necessarily I guess I'm not as cognizant of it. I do a version of that, but I'm not necessarily looking at it as cause effect. Um even though I am, but I'm just not like, I'm not like, okay, cause effect. But I think that this right. is actually a really great way to think about it. Cause I think that will help me focus in a little bit more with what I'm doing, you know? Yes, definitely. So, Cause then, then you're consciously thinking of that as you're versus just like, okay, am I, am I doing this right? Am I, that's how I started thinking about it to really like focus in on that detail. Yeah. Cause I know for me, it's like, as I'm going through the scene, I'm like, but how does it make her feel? But how does it make her feel? Um, but, but in a way, sometimes I, that trips me up, right? Because I'm like, oh God, it's just, you know, she just wants to have sex for God's sake, you know? <laughs> and, but, but I think the idea of the, the cause effect thing, I think, you know, because then you're really narrowing it down and you're like, well, but how does she feel when right. he's touching her this way? And then you can say, oh, well, that kind of feels good. And she's kind of thinking right. like, you know, this is, oh, this guy is whatever, you know? And so I, I don't know. There just seems something a little bit, a little bit more focused to that than just this. But how does she feel? I mean, that's right. sort of general question. Yeah, because it's and it's also you can say like, how does that specific touch react? Like, how does she react to that too? So that, right. that makes it a little more just not like, how does she feel? Right. Then you've got she a reaction to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she feels. She feels like she wants to have sex. Right. <laughs> that's how she feels. Okay. <laughs> Are you getting that? <laughs> <laughs> but and then and again, like that's going to force us to slow down, right? Because you're saying, yeah. well, well, what you know, how what is the reaction now to the touch, and you know, beyond how to how does it make her feel? What is the reaction? How is her body reacting? And that's right. going to force this that that will force the pacing to slow down, which I think is really great. Like, oh, this was helpful, so helpful. But we're not done yet <laughs> because she came. He gave mm-hmm. exquisite oral and she came, but we're not done yet. Because remember, heart-shaped chase. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's now got her where he wants her, folded over that heart-shaped chase. Turning, she watched in the mirror, the mirror, look at the mirror, as he pulled the condom out of his wallet and dropped his pants. Their eyes met as he pulled the condom on his long, hard length. Using his hand, he guided himself. She felt the pressure, but her eyes stayed locked with his in the mirror. Erotic and intimate, watching in the mirror added something ec- something extra to the pre- pressure of his entrance. His hips rocked until he pressed into her completely. What a perfect pussy, he mumbled before he started to move. She saw his hand snake up before she felt his fist wrap her hair tight. The pressure of his tug arched her back, slamming her hips tight into his. She watched their bodies move together, adding to every strong, swift stroke. 
that's it, baby. Yes, Nick said, so hot, so wet, so fucking tight. I want to feel you come all over me. I love this because it's like such a dude voice like that. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is such a dude, right? Like, again, tells you so much about him. Each thrust of his hips pressed deep inside, lighting everything within her. It was like she'd come alive under his hands. Every pound was driving her higher, bringing her closer to the top. Moe, he groaned, fuck, I need you to come. He yanked harder on her hair and snaked his hand around to rub tight circles against her. She was at his mercy, pinned by her hair and pussy. The complete domination, just on the edge of pain, sent her higher until she burst in a surge of unstoppable pleasure. His orgasm followed hers almost instantly. He dropped her hair, and his arms came around her waist, pulling her tight against him. His lips pressed into her shoulder. She almost felt cherished for one moment before he pulled away. That was good, he said, immediately pulling up his pants and walking away from her. An icy chill remained in his wake, molten lava and glacier freeze. The man did it better than anyone she'd ever met, and she was going to tell him just what an ass he was when he came back. She scooped up his shirt, untangling the white t-shirt from the button, the black button down and tossed it on. Yep, when he came down those stairs, they were going to talk. Something very strong was happening between them, and she would not let him act like it was nothing. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> you know what? It was so in his character, though. And, like, you know, it, like, I, like, wrote in here, note to self, don't rush the HEA, right? Like, that's yep. kind of, like, we don't need the happily ever after until we get to the end. And I think sometimes, you know, that sort of first blush of sex, I don't know. Like sometimes it feels like, oh, everything's going to be great now. And then it's like, no. So I kind of love it when you have this like amazing explosive sex and then it just goes wrong. Right. And he's just like typical hot and cold. And I, because it's been building up to that, it doesn't seem out of character either. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. So I've kept you over time and <laughs> I know you've got a whole family thing going on. That's okay. I over it. And, and he was such a trooper for an hour. He was awesome. He was. He was. He's running out of time. Everybody in the house is like, no, okay, we're done. It was like, you must have had an egg timer. Cause he was like, you said an hour. I gave you an extra five, you know, like, great. Exactly. So, kiddo, thank you for letting us borrow your mom. <laughs> Jenny, where do you hang out online so people can find you? Um, I have Jenny's World on Facebook. Uh, and at Jenny Barra Books is Instagram. Um, I'm also on TikTok at Jenny Barra Books. Uh, so you can find me any of those places. And my website's JennyBarra.com. Perfect. And these will also be in the show notes for, um, you know, anybody who is not like, you know, able to write shit down. So (laughs) Jenny, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Thanks so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider rating and reviewing on your favorite podcasting app. It helps enormously with discoverability. And don't forget to subscribe to never miss an episode like next week when I talk to author Kat Wynn. This is a fun one. See you then.